Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. This morning I really want to get to the heart of, of the matter um, and go a little deeper than just uh, surface level. And I want to talk to you guys about the topic of trust. So that's where we're at. Our key passage of scripture this morning uh, comes from Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, uh, verse 7, and this is in the NIV. And it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Uh, So we're going to come back to that verse and we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit as it relates to the passages of scripture around surrounding that that particular verse. But that's our key verse for today. So but first, let's let's talk about trust. Uh, Merriam-Webster, good old Merriam, he defines trust as this, the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something, one in which confidence is placed, dependence on something future or contingent, that is hope. So the thing about trust is that it can be a scary word, right? Because trust opens us up to potential disappointment, right? To failure, to getting hurt. In fact, many of us are guarded today in the area of trust because of something bad that's happened in the past. So automatically our default is to become guarded. And so we have, we have this issue with trust this morning. Something's backfired on us. And because of that, we have an issue with trusting. Um, but then also, on the other side of the coin... Um, some people, they put their trust in so many different, other different things, things that at the end of the day, it's, it's going to eventually crumble around them. So, um, preparing for today's message, I went to, uh, the trusted, uh, Facebook, and, uh, I threw out a question on there, kind of like a poll, um, about 11 o'clock at night. I wasn't expecting any responses till the next morning, but some people are actually up in the middle of the night on Facebook, believe it or not. So instantly I got these responses um, to this question, what are some things that people put their trust in? And these were some of the responses, uh, and I put them up there, all up there for you for you to look at. Uh, some people said that, that people have this trust in, like they have high expectations of others. Basically they trust that the people around us aren't going to fail us. Say like the people, key people in leadership or people above us we, we tend to, to kind of idolize these people, put them up on a pedestal, and we trust a lot that, that they're not going to fail us. Another thing that, that people put their trust in is money, right? Uh, people putting their money in the stock market, um, just trusting that they're going to get a good, good, uh, good yield on that. Um, people put their trust in their own power, their prestige, their positions. People put trust on their material possessions. And lastly, people put trust in themselves or their own abilities. So let's kind of start at the top of that list, and let's work our way down the list, and let's talk about each of these. So that first one, the high expectations of others, right? So the problem with that is that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if that person is the president of the United States or your boss or your friend or your family member. At the end of the day, people are people, right? And people are going to mess up. And that's an unrealistic expectation that you could put on that person to trust that, that, that they're never going to let you down because at the end of the day, people are people. 
uh, let's look at money, right? So the thing about money, the thing about wealth is that it's a fickle thing, right? It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And uh, many of you probably, uh, I'm sure most of you have bills to pay, right? Some of you might have kids, and uh, one thing that I know about finances is that as soon as it hits my, my bank account, it's like it's gone the next day, right? Because there's bills to pay, there's mouths to feed. Um, it's just crazy just how quickly and that money can fade and how fickle a thing money is. Uh, what about uh, power, prestige, positions, right? So here we are. You may, live, you may be in the corporate environment. I was in the corporate environment for many years. And what do you do on the corp in the corporate environment? That next step, right? That next step. It's like climbing that corporate ladder. And a lot of times people climb the corporate ladder at the expense of other people, right? So who can I claw down so that I can go up to the top? But the problem with that is that you can lose that, that, that power. You can lose that position just as quickly as you got it. So it's kind of not smart to put your trust in your own power, prestige, or position. What about material possessions? People put their trust in material possessions, right? Well, the thing about that is that stuff breaks. Cars break down. Things get stolen, right? And what else? You can't take any of that with you, right? It's all going to stay here. Whenever you breathe your last breath on earth, all that stuff that you've acquired, it's, it's going to stay here, right? Um, you know, stuff breaks all the time. Uh, just yesterday, I had to get, I got a new phone. I didn't want to because that's extra money on my bill now that I have to pay for 30, 30 months or whatever. But my iPhone 6 broke, and I need, my, I, need, you know, I need to be able to call people or to text people if I need to. Things break, right? It happens. So we probably put, shouldn't put our trust in our material possessions, um, even an apple, because <laughs> I'm not happy <laughs> with that. Uh, what about themselves or their own abilities, right? People put, tend to put a lot of trust in themselves. Well, I can do it. I'm self-sufficient. I'm not going to fail. But the problem is that, once again, people are people. You're a person, too. There was only one, pers one perfect person that ever walked this, this earth, and his name was Jesus, right? and you're not it, and I'm not it, so we're imperfect, and we, we tend to mess up every now and then. So here, I'm going to get right to my first point this morning. Uh, when I timed this, it, uh, it was about three hours long, so just uh, the words of the great Ryan Tatham, buckle up, buttercup. It's going to be a great ride. Just kidding. had to throw that out to him, but um, four truths regarding trust, and here's my first truth this morning, is that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the only solid rock, right? It's foolish to put our trust in anything else but God. You know, this reminded me of, of a parable that Jesus once told, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse um, 24 through 27, and we're going to read that here this morning. Therefore, anyone who hear, hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So, when I read this passage of Scripture, instantly what came to mind is that, what, you know, what about this? What about that? So, like, everybody, I, some, some people, I guess, here have been to the beach, right? Most people, maybe. 
Well, the thing about, you know, the beach, I want you to visualize this with me. You know, here you have the, the, the ocean and the sand uh, and the waves, and, you know, you've got the sand between your toes. And then you look off to the right, and you see just right on the beach there, right, right in the sand, what do you see? You see houses. You see condominiums, right? So what about those houses? What about those condominiums? Because it seems to be, it appears as if, that those houses, those condominiums are building their house on the sand, right? So I was curious. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because obviously you can't build your foundation on shifty sand. Everybody knows that, right? It's, you don't have to have a degree in construction to know that you can't build your house on shifty sand. So I, I, I uh, did a little bit of research and I learned with those type of particular houses, you literally have to build, like dig down below the sand because believe it or not, there comes to be a point where there's, there's no sand. What they're looking for is they're looking for bedrock. They're looking for something solid. And then they'll dig down, they'll dig these big pillars, these concrete pillars, and then they use those concrete pillars from which to build their foundation, right? So I, I find this amazing because it kind of has some application in our lives, right? If the foundation is not secure, if, if, it's, if that foundation is not built down on something that is solid like bedrock below the shallow sand, then the rest of the house is going to crumble. So my question to you this morning is what are you building your life on? Are you building your foundation on surface level with the shifting sand of money, with position, your occupation, whatever it is? Or like, are you digging down deep into a relationship with Christ as the foundation of your life? That's my question for you this morning because that makes all the difference. The foundation makes all the difference for the rest of the house. So, like, we can put our, we can't put our trust in shifting sand this morning because our lives are literally going to crumble around us unless we have the right foundation, and that is a relationship with Jesus. Christ is the only solid rock this morning. Everything else is shifting sand. Everything else, when the winds come, the rains come, if we're not building, if we don't have our foundation on the bedrock, and that bedrock is Jesus Christ, then then we're gonna be, we can be expected to just wash away, and our foundation's gonna crumble, the house is gonna fall. It makes all the difference in the world this morning. So that's my first point: is that Christ is the only solid rock. Truth number two this morning: God is trustworthy. He can be trusted. Kind of pointing out the obvious this morning, but I think a lot of times we miss the obvious. Um, I'll begin this point with a question. Has there ever been a time in life that God has failed you? I want you to think about that for a minute. Has there ever been a time in life that God has failed you? And I want to say whether, I want to go ahead and answer that question for you with a resounding no God has never failed you. Listen, circumstances in life might have failed you, right? People might have failed you, but God has never failed you, and he never will. I believe that one day, you know, you're going to look back uh, on your time on earth, like you're, you're about to take your, your last breath, you're going to look back, and you're going to see the faithfulness of God played out in your life over and over and over and over again. You're going to see that God was working out 
in your favor this whole time to bring about the ultimate good on your behalf. And I want to bring you to mind this passage of Scripture this morning, and it's probably one of my favorite passages of Scriptures. I have a lot of favorites, but this is one of them. Um, and it's Romans 8, 28, and it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. That's Romans 8, 28 in the NIV. And, you know, I think a lot of times in life, bad things happen, right? Everybody knows bad things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things just happen. And I think a lot of times our default response is to, like, blame God, right? And so then we, once, once we've pointed the finger at God, then autom- automatically we lose our confidence in Him. But notice in this passage, it doesn't say anything about the fact that God caused the bad thing to happen, right? It says that God takes that bad thing and he causes good things to happen. Listen, this morning, I want you to know this, that we live in a fallen world, right? We live in a fallen world. It's plagued by sin. And because of that, bad things are going to happen to good people. Bad things are going to happen to bad people. It's just a result of the fact that we live in a fallen world. It's a result of the fact that we've all been given this gift called choice, right? That we've all been given this gift called free will. And God allows us to pick. God allows us to pick either life or death. God allows us to choose our own, to to do our own thing, right? So a lot of times we make the wrong choice. And because we make the wrong choice, there are, there's consequences to that, and a lot of times it affects us, but it also affects the, the, those that are around us. But we can't say that God, ha- that God made it happen, and we can't start to point fingers at God and then therefore lose our confidence in Him because God didn't cause it to happen. What this passage of Scripture tells me this morning is this, is that God is faithful every time, in all circumstances, all situations, and God can be trusted. So I want to go back to our key verse for today. Jeremiah 17, 7, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. And I want to back up a little bit, um, because it's always good to look at Scripture as it relates to the rest of Scripture around it. That's just good hermeneutics, right? That's just good, hey, what's the context of this verse as it applies to the passage of Scripture around it? So let's let's back up. Let's back up to verse 5 of Jeremiah. So it's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Um, by the way, I want to do, do a quick shout out to the YouVersion Bible app. My phone's actually going to work for me today. It's magical. Um, if you want to follow along, we have all of the sermon notes, all of the passages of Scripture. If you go to your YouVersion Bible app and you click on More, we have an event set up that's Bethel Assembly. And then you can see all of the sermon notes, all of the passages of Scripture. And I love it. I've been using it every week since we had it. So I encourage you to start using this. If you have any questions about it, just ask me later and I can help you out. But um, So let's start with, with verse 5 here. And it says this. This is what the Lord says. Anybody know or understand that whenever that says that in Scripture, we better be paying attention to this passage of Scripture, right? This is what the Lord says. And it says this. And I want you to kind of catch the imagery of this first part. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. You can, you can put man, you can put things, whatever there who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. So get that imagery this morning 
that the man who trusts in basically everything else besides the Lord, that man has no life. He's going to live in a parched land because there's no depth to the things that he's holding on to, right? So what happens, you know, everybody's been to the beach, you've picked up some sand maybe in your hand, and you, you begin to try to hold on to that sand. What happens? The tighter you squeeze, yeah, tighter you squeeze, guess what? The faster that sand begins to fall out of your hands. And that's what we're seeing here in this passage of Scripture. But let's, I like, how, I like sometimes how Scripture will kind of shift, and you see the shift, and there's always that, that word but there. And here we see verse 7, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence in him, and I want you to catch the imagery of this, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out by the stream. It is not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. So this man who trusts in the Lord, he has deep roots by trusting in God, and the result is life, vitality, and long-lasting fruitfulness. And I want you to catch this. It says, I think right around verse 8 here, it does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, but it never fails to bear fruit. So like even in the midst of a hard times, right? Because a drought is a bad thing. Heat can be a bad thing, right? The storms of life, they can be a bad thing. But even in the midst of that hard times, when you trust in the Lord, you don't have to fear whether or not you'll survive. Listen, it's going to get hot. Those storms of life, they're going to roll in just like we saw with, the, with Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 7. But if your house is built on the rock, if your foundation is built on trusting in God, then you're going to thrive even in the midst of the storm because your foundation and who you are at your core, not your image that you project to the world, but who you are at your core is my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So truth number three is we should trust God even when it doesn't make sense. So, um, this time I'm going to call my beautiful wife up to the platform. Maybe against her will, I'm not sure. But she, okay, so she's kind of a background person. She likes to serve up in kids' ministry. She's not on the platform very often. She's giving me the look like, why are you making me do this? Because we're married, that's why. Uh, okay, so does everybody know what a trust fall is? Everybody know what a trust fall? You've done it, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's happening. It's happening today, right here. So we're going to demonstrate that for you. A trust fall is where, here, I'm going to demonstrate. I know you don't trust me, but we're working on that. So a trust fall is whenever the person's here, they can't see me, that I'm behind that person, they're going to fall back. And what's like the initial response for a trust fall, right? That, that there's some anxiety, right? It's like, it's like, you know, here I am, and here's a big cliff, and I'm doing cliff diving, right? And there's that initial, <gasps> you know, or jumping out of a plane. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would ever choose to jump, jump out of a perfectly good airplane or jump off of a perfectly good cliff. It doesn't make sense to me, but people do it, and I don't know why. But anyways, so trust fall. It's kind of that same concept. So we're going to demonstrate for you this morning a trust fall, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I catch her. Because if I don't catch her, then I'm sleeping on the couch for the next week. Oh, I'm sleeping outside, she said. Oh. Okay, well, 
There's that. I hope that's, oh, dear Jesus. All right. All right. So she wanted to practice this beforehand, and I told her no, because I want to see what her response is. All right. So on the count of three, you can, you can fall, and hopefully I'll catch you. And try, try, try to resist the temptation to, to not fall back. Okay. All right. Fall. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just do it. <laughs> see, she resisted. She resisted. That's all right. She trusted me in the end, so that's good. That's good. She's like, ah! All right, so now we're going we're gonna to do something else. Okay, so now fall back. <laughs> okay, you, you can be seated. So, so would you all agree this morning that it does not make logical sense for me when I'm looking her in the eyes, right, for her to trust me? Because obviously... I am like, where I am is where I am, right? And so there's no logical way that I'm going to be able to reach around and catch her in time before she hits the floor and she comes up swinging because that's probably what she would do. (laughs) So, you know, that's kind of how life feels like with God, right? God is looking at us face to face and he's asking us to fall backwards. And he's asking us to trust that he's going to catch us Like, it just doesn't make sense. So perhaps this morning he's asking you to take a step of faith with your employment. Perhaps this morning that he's asking you to talk to that coworker, that family member, or that neighbor, or that whoever it may be about Jesus, even though you know what their response is going to be. Perhaps he's asking you to commit to being faithful in your tithe or give a certain amount to to this or that or to this missionary or to that project. Perhaps he's asking you to trust him that even though the doctors say this, then in reality the, the doctors are going to be wrong because God is faithful and God is able and he's the God of miracles and he can bring healing in that situation. So whatever the situation, that step of blind faith can be terrifying. But you know that's what faith is. Faith is trusting that the same God that's in front of us is also simultaneously behind us, ready to catch us, because the thing about God is that where I'm limited to where I am is where I am, God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He may be looking at you, but he's also behind you, and he's ready to catch you. And the point to this is this, is that if God is asking you to do it this morning, you can trust that he'll catch you. And lastly, this is my last point, and I think I'm doing good on time, hopefully. Um, trusting God demands that we live our lives with open hands. So what do I mean by that? Does that mean we just walk around like this, like literally walk around like this with open hands? No, it's a, it's a condition of the heart, okay? It's a condition of, of your mind that you can basically choose to live your life, not literally, but figuratively in one of two ways. You can choose to live your life with a closed fist. So basically you're saying to God, God, I just can't trust you entirely. So that thing that I have is off limits to you. So what we do is we live our lives with closed fists, but there's sand that's in our fists, right? So the harder we squeeze, the harder we're going to lose it. Or you can choose to live your life with open hands. So basically when you do that, you're saying to God, God, everything I have comes from your hand. Whatever you'll ask of me, I'll give it. 
Would you guys agree with me this morning that that's, that's the case? That, that everything that we have actually comes from the hand of God anyways, right? So if God is asking us to give that which that he's already given us, you better believe that he's going to take care of our need, right? So about a month ago, um, uh, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I have a friend, uh, a lead pastor friend in St. Louis, and as you know, all of Missouri and it seems like all the world got flooded um, earlier on in the year. So there was some flooding there. And um, scrolling through Facebook, and I see he's live. And um, one of the church's neighbors, uh, they, they had some serious flooding. It flooded their basement. They lost a bunch of stuff. So, you know, it's a small small church. It's, they're still doing a church plant. So he was soliciting funds for this neighbor because this neighbor had lost a bunch of stuff. And he said, well, here's the link, you know, if you want to give, give. And normally I would just scroll, but I really felt that God was asking me to give $50 to this. $50 might not seem like a lot to some people, but to us, $50 is $50, right? Um, so he's asking me to give $50, and I felt God was asking me to give. I felt like he was asking me to give this amount. But it's like, you know, it was earlier on in the summer, you know, we were planning on going on several trips, you know, back to Kentucky to visit family. We had our, ten, we just celebrated 10 years. Uh, our anniversary trip was coming up. Um, and I really felt like God was asking me to give this money. And I'm thinking, well, you know, and then, and then Jesse, you know, she, she works during the school year. She babysits for teacher's kids, which is helpful in the school year to have a little bit of extra cash flow, right? But during the summer, she's off because the teachers are off. So we didn't have that that extra cash flow coming in so you know we're we're doing okay we're, we're being able to pay our bills but any extra it's kind of like oh let's get a little tight so all these questions all these but gods right started happening in my brain and I really felt like God was pointed a finger to that and he was basically saying you got to trust me in this because even though it doesn't make sense even though it doesn't add up you have to trust me and I thought okay God you're right I, I don't need to live life in fear, right? I need to live life trusting in you and that you, c- you can catch me, you know, in this moment. So, you know, I give the $50. It doesn't break the bank or anything, but, you know, $50 is $50. It's like a tank of gas. Um, so, $50. And then it wasn't two weeks later we were having a yard sale. And wouldn't you know it, we brought in that yard sale, we were expecting maybe $100, right? Just something small. We are trying to get rid of some stuff. We weren't even planning on having the yard sale. It's just our neighbors were like, hey, we're having a yard sale. Do you want to have one too? Yeah, sure, we'll have a yard sale. So we had this yard sale, and when you know it, we had so much traffic that day, it was ridiculous. We brought in well over $400 because of that. Isn't that awesome? It was so cool to see how, and I was like, okay, so here's this. Maybe it's related to this, and I really feel like that it was. See, as I was faithful to give what God was asking me to give, God was faithful to provide for our need, and it helped us get through the summer, and, you know, it helped us to get to Kentucky and back and whatnot. So, living life with a closed fist signifies our lack of trust in God to meet our needs because of what he's asked us to give up. Living life with open hands signifies trusting God to meet our needs regardless of what he's asked us to give up. And I'm not saying that, like, in my, like my story of my, the $50, that, like, that's going to happen every time, right? 
Because God may ask you to give this or that, and there may be, n- not be any sort of or- earthly reward to that, right? Like, just because I give 50 or $100 here doesn't mean that automatically next week I'm going to be blessed with a Mercedes Benz. Like, it, does, it doesn't happen that way a lot of times, most of the time. Because we remember back to Jesus' teaching, what did Jesus say? That if you store it for yourself, your treasures on earth, moths, is, moths are going to mess up, rust is going to get to it, thieves are going to break in and steal, right? But we're really, we should be concerned about storing for ourselves up treasures in heaven. And that's where our real reward is. And you can bet that every time that you're obedient to the Lord, it doesn't matter what you're obedient to God about, that every time you can mark it, you can take it to the bank, there's eternal rewards for you because of that. That's going to be eternal. That means it's going to last forever. That means you don't, it's going to be there and you're going to be there forever with that. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's really what we need to be striving for. And just, just the simple obedience of it, right? The, the act of obedience in itself is a blessing. Do you guys agree with that? Absolutely. So we're going we're gonna to read one more story for you this morning. And then we're going to wrap up. Uh, it's the story of the five loaves and the two fish. And it's in John chapter 6, 1 through 4. And I didn't put it up there because it's really long. Uh, and I was asked not to put long scriptures up. So that's why it's not up there. But I do want you to open up your Bible app if you have it and read along with me or your Bible. Um, and here it is, John chapter 6, 1 through 14. says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far side, far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus already knew, right? He, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one, of the, each one to have a bite. So Philip's trying to figure this thing out, you know, from a human standpoint. Uh, another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? So, okay, I'll get to that. So Jesus said, and I like how Jesus like doesn't even answer Philip or Andrew, but he just says, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And let me, let me just speak on that. It says 5,000 men. You guys catch that? What that means is that they just counted the men. So you have to, to assume that the man's going to maybe have a wife. He's going to have a couple kids. So we're not talking just about... We're not talking about just 5,000 people, right? We're talking about probably closer to 15 or 20 would be my guess. But who knows? Who knows how many people were there? There's a lot of people. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. They had 12 baskets full of leftovers after everybody had already stuffed themselves. That was a lot of food. I know I can eat a lot, so 
That's a lot, a lot of food. And there were 12 baskets left over that they picked up afterwards. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what God does. So I want to ask this question for you this morning. So what if the boy didn't give the loaves and the fish up? What if he lived his life with a closed fist? I mean, he very well could have done so, right? It's, it's, his, it's his loaves, it's his fish. I mean, he probably was going to use that to feed himself, maybe a couple of his friends that day, whatever the, the case may be. He would have had enough for lunch that day. But everyone else would have missed out on the blessing. Everyone else would have gone hungry that day. But because the boy lived his life with an open hand, the result of his obedience was this, that Jesus took what the boy had. Jesus took it, and he multiplied it, and he fed 15,000, 20,000 people with it. And they had 12 baskets full. And I want to say this to you today. If God is asking you to give it up, it's not because he's a bad father who loves taking things from his children. That's a terrible mindset. Don't think that way. God is a good God. God loves his kids. God loves to bless his kids, right? God is, I want, I, want you, I want you to know this morning that God is not against you. God is not against you this morning. God is for you. He's always been for you this morning. He loves you with an unconditional fatherly love that is well beyond our capacity to love, right? It's unconditional. He loves you just the way you are. He's not against you. He's for you this morning. If God is asking you to give that thing up, it's because he wants to take it. He's, he's, asked, to give, he's asked you to give it up because he wants to take it and he wants to multiply it to bless others. And then the promise to that is that there's going to be more than enough left over to supply your need. And I'll remind you of one more passage of Scripture. It's not in my notes this morning, but something that came to mind was in the book of Philippians when Paul is, is talking to them and thanking them for, for, for encouraging, uh, for, for, for helping his ministry, right? What does he say right after that? What, what does he say after he thanks them for their, for their support of his ministry? He says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in heaven. God's going to supply your need. Jesus promises that if you seek first the kingdom of God, right? If you take after the, if you take, uh, look after the, thing, the, the things of God and the kingdom of heaven, God's going to be faithful to take care of your need every time because that's the kind of loving God that he is. So last point is this. Choose to live your life with open hands and you'll find that God will be faithful to take care of the rest. So we're going to open up the altar this morning. We've got prayer partners if they want to come forward. And I want you to respond today if, if any of these things apply to you. And this is number one. If you've never trusted in Jesus, like if your foundation, if the core of who you are isn't built on trust in Jesus Christ and on his blood and in his salvation, then I want you to come forward today. And, and I want you to know that, that the word of God says that today is the day of salvation, right? So come forward, find a relationship with Jesus, and I guarantee you it'll change your life for the better. You'll find a God that loves you, that cares about you. He died for you this morning. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, I want you to come forward. And don't miss this opportunity because we're not promised another day, right? We're not promised another breath. 
why it says today is the day of salvation. Seize this moment. Seize this opportunity to get your heart right with God. Seize this moment to find a relationship with Jesus that is going to change your eternal destination. If you're here today and you already have a relationship with Jesus, but there's some areas in your life that you're holding on to instead of letting go, I want you to come forward and respond. I don't know what that looks like to you. But if you're living your life with a closed fist, you just need to open your hands up a little bit today and trust that God's got you because he does. And then lastly, if you need prayer for anything else, a lost family member, physical need, like literally anything else, come forward and we'll pray. We'll agree together in prayer and believe that God is a good God and that God is a God of miracles and he can take care of that need. God is able, he's faithful, and he's trustworthy this morning and he can be trusted. So let's pray.